Matthew 24 this morning in your Bibles, Matthew 24. And I uh, want to thank everyone coming out yesterday, had our harvest celebration from 3 to 6 yesterday afternoon. A lot of people helped get that ready, and uh, we had five families come uh, and visit with us. Uh, came from the, you know, the bus ministry or invitations, and uh, we did the count. My wife and I were going through the numbers, about 75 people uh, came in and out yesterday. So a wonderful time, had a great time uh, playing different games there. I know the kids love the stack race. Uh, the older kids played softball uh, there and had a good time, and that's what happened to Benjamin. He found a hole out there. They're easy to find out here, uh, so, but uh, thankful. Hopefully, Benjamin's ankle heals up there, so, uh, but Matthew 24, uh, you know, you look at the world today, and you look at it like, what in the world's going on? You see what's going on in Israel right now, you See what's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now. You see what China's trying to do in Taiwan. You see what North Korea is over there lobbing missiles all over the place. And we look at that and we're like, what is going on? Should we be frightened? Should we be afraid? Can I tell you something this morning? All these things point to one thing. Jesus is coming. Now, I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you when. I don't know when. The Bible says no man can know. Only the Father knows, but we know that we are living in the last days, and we have Bible proof for that. We're in Matthew 24, and we look at this, and we say, well, what is going on? What's going to happen? You know, many in the world today are asking, what's the end of all this? What's going to happen? You know, are we all going to come to extinction in nuclear war and all these things? Well, the Bible gives us instruction. Jesus actually answered the same question from his disciples. They asked the same question. They said, what is the sign of the end of the world? Because they thought the the end of the world was coming soon uh, in their days, 2,000 years ago. They thought the Messiah had come. Now, all things that he was going to be there, that yes, he was the spiritual leader, but that, hey, he was going to defeat Rome. He was going to take care of business. They were going to have a king on the throne of David again, and uh, everything was going to be great. There's going to be world peace. It's all over. Well, Jesus gave them some requirements and some hallmarks of the end days. And something we must understand that actually plays into what's going on right now in the world is that when Jesus came, the Jews misunderstood what the Messiah was to be from the Old Testament prophecies. And Jesus didn't fit their description that they thought he should have. Jesus was of humble birth. Yes, he was of the lineage of David, but he came and was born in a main, laid in a manger, born in a stable. Well, that's not how the Messiah should come. He should be born in a palace and should come triumphal, triumphantly. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which was foretold. They cried Hosanna and they laid palm fronds in front of him and their coats and he was riding on a donkey instead of the great white horse that they thought he should be riding and came in humility. All of these things were the opposite of what they thought the Messiah should be. Isn't it interesting that many times God's idea of things are not our ideas? And what God intends and what we expect are very different. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew 24, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 14, and Jesus gives a description of what is going on. We're going to look at these quickly uh, by reading them, then we're going to step through them individually uh, and take a look, especially when we're focusing on what's going on in Israel right now. Can I tell you something? Whenever things are going on in Israel, pay attention to what's going on. Uh, 
Because uh, the book of Revelation, we know the end of all things. We know what's going to happen in the end. And Israel is a part of that. And everything hinges around God's people. God is not done with his people. There is a group of people that say, well, Israel's done. They've rejected the Messiah. Well, can I tell you something today? That during the time of Jesus, they rejected the Messiah because they expected a political savior. You know, the Jews are still looking for one. They're still looking for the Messiah. And they still believe the Messiah is a political savior for them that will bring peace to their land. We'll see how that plays in here in just a minute. But Matthew 24, if we could all stand together as you're physically able, uh, we're beginning going to begin verse number 3 down through verse number 14 this morning, if you could follow along as I read aloud. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And they shall and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray that you will bless our time together in your word as we are here together today. Oh, your word is true, as true as it was the moment you spoke it, and it's as true now, Lord. No mistakes, no errors, Lord. You're a pure word. I pray today that we will learn from it and that we would not be troubled about what we see going on, but Lord, that we would continue to look up for you are definitely coming. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, comfort us, Lord. Also, Lord, keep us busy about your business. I pray if any here today are not saved, that they would come to you in humble repentance, Lord, and seek forgiveness of sin that only you can give. We pray your special blessing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Jesus is coming is the message title this morning. I think that's something we hear a lot. Sometimes it can even be cliche a little bit. We know Jesus is coming, but we don't live like he's coming at times. And we put that in the back of our mind. Can I tell you something? More than ever, we should be living with the thought that Jesus is coming and that he could come at any moment. But we see here in chapter 24, we see the signs of the times. This is what the world is going to be like. And we're going to take those verses and we're going to overlay them with what we see going on right now. Now, I will just say this, a disclaimer at the beginning. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be 100 years from now, 200 years from now. I don't think so. But I can be wrong, okay? But what we do know is that we shouldn't be surprised with what's going on in the world today as Christians. We ought not be troubled, the Bible says. We ought not be, con- we need to be concerned about it. We need to be looking at what's going on. But at the same time, this is what must be. 
So let's look at that this morning. So number one this morning, if you're taking notes, the signs of the times. The disciples were asking what was going to happen when the end of the world came. How is this all going to play out? What happens, right? We want to know the future. Thankfully, God told us what the future is and gave us pictures of that. Uh, We will be looking here and in the book of Revelation this morning to answer those questions. Also, there's other answers. We could go to a lot of different passages in Daniel and other places that talk about the end of the world, but we're going to confine this a little narrower for sake of time, I think we want to eat lunch today. Amen. Uh, so I believe we're living in the last days. Amen. I believe that. Uh, and I've preached that for many years. I'm not predicting, but I do believe that. I think every generation ought to believe they're living in the last days. Uh, because if we don't, well, it doesn't really matter. That's for someone else to worry about. Uh, let's not be like Hezekiah who said, well, thank God I don't see it in my day. You know, because all these things were going to come to pass, but because you did right, I'm going to have it come your kid's day. He goes, oh, at least I don't have to see it. Oh, I hope we don't have that attitude. Well, at least I don't have to see it. That's not, I'm not worried about it. You know, let my grandkids deal with it. You know, it could be in my lifetime or it could be in my grandkids' lifetime. But here's the description that Jesus gives. So we're in Matthew 24. Let's look at verse number four. Verse number four. And so uh, this is the warning right at the beginning. That Jesus gives, and we're going to reiterate this a little bit more as we go through. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one, that no man deceive you. So I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to lie about this. There's a lot of people that are going to try and twist this. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to try and deceive you. And as it says later on, that they're even going to be saved, born-again Christians that are going to get deceived in all of this. He said, and don't we live in a deceptive day? Amen. Where it seems that the best, whoever can deceive someone the best gets to the top. Right. Uh, Whether it be, uh, you know, it used to be, I'm sorry, the news profession used to be an honorable profession. And there are still some honorable journalists out there uh, somewhere, but usually not the major networks. But I can tell you, every single news network today has some kind of bent to it, has some kind of bias to it and doesn't care if what they're saying is 100 percent true or not. Truth's gone out the window. We live in a deceptive day. We're not just talking about culturally, but there's going to be deceptions inside the church. There's going to be deceptions inside of Christendom. There's going to be deceptions about the Bible. And so we must understand something. There will be deceptions, and we've seen that deception abound. Oh, don't we see political deception going on today? Not just in the United States of America, but around the world, right? Um, uh, Brother Coe and I were talking about this um, you know, uh, this morning, you know, they're bringing relief aid into the Gaza Strip, you know, and the big complaint that they had, you didn't send any gasoline for us to run our vehicles. Yeah, so you can't RPG them as they bring it in, you know. Uh, but people, of course, will be, oh, that's an outrage. They don't have gasoline. They don't have fuel. That's an outrage. Oh, we can be deceived so much. What we've seen today, and when we see what's going on with Israel, there's a very much an anti-Israel bias in our country today. Oh, and it's coming out, uh, and that people are deceived, and they believe all kinds of things about God's people that are, just aren't true. 
So don't be deceived by those things. There's going to be a lot of doctrinal things that are going on today. Uh, one of them I just mentioned, Stephen Anderson is a very prominent pastor of Independent Baptist. Don't endorse him. The guy's a heretic from the pit of hell. I'm just sorry, I'll say it. I do not endorse anything that he says. I've saw a lot of his things and his big, big promotion is that we have replaced Israel and that God is done with Israel and that the book of Revelation is about us, the Christians. I'm sorry, Bible doesn't say that anywhere. Bible says the opposite. And Paul gave the Romans a very clear warning that we're not to cast aside God's people. We're to go to the Jew first and then to the Greek. So we need to make sure that we're staying with where the Bible says, and the man's a heretic, I'll just say it. And there are some people that say he's not, and he's great, and he's just a little off. Man's a heretic. So, But he is a leader of a very prominent group of independent Baptists today. And guess what? They believe the deception. They believe it. There's a lot of deception. We could spend a lot of time on deception, but I digress. Let's move on. So let's take heed that no men deceive us. Verse 5, what is another aspect of this? We definitely, so uh, aspect number one, hallmark number one, deception. Well, that's definitely going on today. Uh, Verse 5, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Uh, there are, have been a lot, and there constantly are. There are many people on the earth today that claim to be Christ, that claim to be the Messiah. Uh, many of them cult leaders, uh, that they say they are the Messiah, they are the Christ, and there are many. Uh, but can I tell you something? What this is speaking of is that there is going to be one that says and comes, he is Messiah, says he is Messiah, and he is going to bring peace to the Muslims and to the Jews in Israel, and he will be Antichrist. Somehow he will do it, do what no one else has been able to do, because hasn't every U.S. president in the last 50 years tried to do what? Bring peace to Israel, and they hold up their pieces of paper, right? I know President Trump did that, have the Abraham Accords, peace in the Middle East. Well, they're blowing each other up right now, so that didn't last very long. Okay, you know, when they, how many peace treaties, how many accords, how many peace things have they signed, and then like in a year they tear them up. Okay, you know, that's just what happens over there. And that's, what, that's going to happen until peace is brought by Antichrist to Israel, and then he will turn on them and will be worshipped himself as God. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, getting a little ahead of myself. But uh, there will be many who claim to be the Messiah. That, does, that is happening today. Seems the more time goes on, there are many that claim that. Uh, and shall deceive many, not a few, many. You know, people are deceived into believing that the Pope can, believe, can forgive sin. He cannot. You know, there's no hope in the Pope. Amen. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be cliche about that, but there's not. Especially with the Pope we have now, he is very much, let's all get along with all the religions of the world. You know, Muslims have a good point, you know, and, and, the, and the Jews trying to bring everybody together. Uh, you know, some people believe that you know, the Pope is Antichrist and all these things. I don't believe that. I don't believe he has that much sway anymore. But, you know, those things, we don't know who the Antichrist is because Antichrist will be revealed when we're gone. So when the rapture comes, amen, aren't you glad you don't have to be here? If you want to be here, that's fine. Uh, you know, some people believe, <laughs> you know, believe we're not going to get raptured out to the middle or to the end. That's great. If you want to be here, that's fine. If you want to believe that, I'm not going to be here. You can stay if you want. Uh, but... Um, We'll all know in time, amen. Well, if those that are wrong, we'll find out, you know, let Jesus tell them. But here, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Verse 6, 
And he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Oh, isn't this a big check mark? Right? There's wars going on. There's war in Ukraine going on right now. There's a war uh, in Israel right now between uh, Islamic faction, jihad. So this isn't really about, you know, Israel versus Iran. This is uh, Israel versus Islam and jihad. That's what this is about. Oh, can I tell you something? Is that, so, well, why do they just, you know, leave the, the Palestinians alone, leave the Muslims alone? Can I tell you something? Is that all, every single Muslim nation in the Middle East wants Israel wiped off the face of the earth because they hate Jews. They hate them with a passion. And they say that very freely. You don't hear that in our media because we don't live in that part of the world. You know, who cares that they hate Israel? They're over there, we're over here, let's just worry about over here. But they hate Israel with a passion and they, their leaders say they run on the fact that we're going to deal with Israel finally and get rid of them, and take back our ancestral land. I'm sorry, read the Bible. Israel took it back in the book of Joshua and Judges. Amen. Uh, And uh, it's been God's land, God's promised land to them for thousands of years, and they want to take it back from from when they had it. But uh, they worship pagan gods, and God said, no, you don't have it anymore. Give it to Israel, and that's the end of it. Amen. But there will not be an end until there is an end, until Christ comes back. All right, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. That's, I don't think we need to stay there anymore. We know that's going on. Uh, we, world, how many times do you hear in the media, World War III is around the corner, right? You know, that we're going to be fighting China. We're going to be fighting Russia. Can I tell you something? If Russia and China team up, we're in trouble. Because I, I was telling my wife the other day, Russia is to China what Mussolini was to Hitler. And if they, match, if they team up, we're in big, big, big trouble. Um, our technological advantage doesn't matter anymore uh, when, they have, when they outnumber us about four to one. So we need to pray for our military members and we need to pray for our country and pray for protection. But is World War III a possibility? It takes one person with an itchy trigger finger. And that's all it takes. But, there'll be, but a lot of people live in that fear, though. It's around the corner. Right? We just need to not, you know, and we, what are we going to do? There's going to be people that run for office. We're going to bring peace. I'll keep everyone, I'll keep us out of World War III. Guess what? They're going to get elected by just saying that. Because that's what people don't want that. We don't want war. No one wants war. There'll be worldwide, there'll be rumors of wars, but then here it is, verse number seven. There'll be rumors of wars, but verse seven, for nation shall rise against nation that there will be worldwide conflict all over the world. There'll be conflict. There are wars happening all over the world and smaller, smaller wars, regional wars that we hear nothing about. But nation shall rise against nation. Isn't that what's going on right now? And the constantly that you know, peaceful relationships we've had with countries for years are breaking down and nation rising against nation and certain nations deciding, hey, we want to be the superpower. We want to rule the world now. You know, United States, move over. You've been in control long enough. We want to be in control now. That's a real possibility. Also, we see also from not only that, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Natural disasters will increase. You know, they're saying that earthquakes are becoming more frequent. Actually, they aren't. They're about the same as they've always been in cycles. But, you know, you, you hear about hurricanes and different things. There have been a lot of powerful hurricanes and things. But, you know, if you listen to the 
<clears throat> the sky is falling, you know, that every storm, I don't know about you, growing up as a kid, they didn't name every single winter storm or every nor'easter that came up. I'm from New York, and so now they name, you know, it's storm this, you know, drama. And, you know, it's like Weather Channel's become a show, an entertainment show, you know. The world's ending, right? And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it dropped a foot of snow. You know, everything shut down, you know. Uh, Weather is not necessarily getting worse, but there are going to be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Those things are going to happen. Uh, but then here it goes, verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Who's he talking about? Christians. And shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. What's going to happen? The persecution of Christians is going to increase. I'm sorry, God's people are not going to be have less pressure put on them, but more. Don't we see a very anti-God sentiment rising in the world today? A very anti-God sentiment rising in our nation today. You know, um, Brother Scott was mentioning that in Sunday school. With just, our nation is under judgment, unthinkable things. You know, it's a big thing in Ohio right now. Uh, that they have a constitutional amendment that they're trying to push through. And the governor is actually speaking out. He's never spoken out on any other issue before, but they are proposing a constitutional amendment in Ohio that abortion is okay at any point in pregnancy, including partial birth abortion. And that is just, they said, this is, uh, this is terrible, that this has just gone way further than any other law or an amendment in our country has ever gone. And said that this is what's going on in our nation. I'll just pause here for a moment. You know, a lot of people are like, well, we need a six-week ban on abortion or 15-week ban on abortion. I listen to a lot of Christian people and Christian programs, you know, and these different councils. That's right. That's exactly what we need. No, we need a ban on abortion, period. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the goal. Well, people won't vote for that. You know, is what people will vote for. I'm sorry. This isn't a political issue. This is morality. It's murder. It needs to be gone. That's the goalpost, and we shouldn't compromise on that. And a lot of polit- political people are, unfortunately. And I tell you what, as the Republican conservative parties are going away from that and compromising on that, they're losing people. They're losing people. I'm not going to support that, and you shouldn't either, because God doesn't support it. Amen. When a political position becomes away from what God says, then we leave that political position. Amen. That's all I want to say on that. So persecution is going to increase. Verse 10, uh, but then not only this, persecution is going to increase. Verse 10, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Uh, And this was what was going on under Roman persecution under Nero. What would happen? There were some that were strong and would would stand against that and would not give up their compatriots because they had secret churches. They would rather die than give up. But then some shall be offended. They become afraid. They become troubled. My, I, I value my life too much of the life of my family that I'm going to give up my fellow Christians so I can go free. Uh, there, the example of this, there were ones that in the Roman Empire said, hey, you know what, you can go free if you recant your belief in Christ <coughs> and that you, you bow down to the emperor and declare him God and then you'll go free. And there were some that did that. Can I tell you something? You know what happened after the persecution stopped and these people came back to church? They weren't allowed to come back to church. 
They weren't allowed. And this is actually the origin of where the Catholic Church came from, is that the true church, they decided, we're not going to have you in the church. You, you denounced the name of Christ. You're not allowed to be in membership here. You know what all those people did? They went and started other churches, and that began the Roman Catholic Church, the ones that recanted. That was at the very beginning. This is about uh, the first two to three centuries. Interesting part of church history. Go look it up. But it's, um, I forget they called them a particular type of Christians, but uh, the idea of kind of like being a retread. Uh, that you gave, you recanted on God, and then when the persecution blew over, you try and come back. And uh, said, so, oh, you know, we, we, we didn't mean it. We were just lying, right? Let's just bow down, you know, and, and we lied about it. I'm sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, hey, we're not doing that. We're not going to fake it. We're not going to just bow down and look like everybody else. We talked about this Wednesday. We said, we're going to stand up for what we believe. We believe in our God. We will honor him. Because, by the way, that's all what we're going to do for all of eternity is honor him. So get used to doing it here. Uh, verse 10. Christians shall rise against Christians, so what, they're going to give each other up. Verse 11, and a proliferation of false prophets. Not only that, but also they've looked down in verse number 24. Uh, For there shall rise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the what? The very elect, the Christians. Even Christians are going to be deceived. We see that happening. Uh, a proliferation of false prophets and false doctrine today. Uh, there's a lot of false prophets on the television today. There's a lot of false prophets out there that uh, whose God is their belly, the Bible says. And they're after your money. They're after your things. Now, not everyone on there is, but a lot of them, you know, uh, I'm sorry, a preacher has no business having a $10 million, 20,000 square foot home. I'm sorry. Uh, there's no business... Or having three private jets, uh, which is what I think, uh, what's his name, Kenneth Copeland has. Yeah, he has like three private jets and all these things. And, you know, uh, and they teach this uh, health and wealth gospel. Hey, you got to invest in the ministry so you can be blessed. Invest so you can be blessed. It's called a con artist scheme is what it's called. That's like a pyramid scheme. You give your hard-earned money, uh, then God is going to bless you, and then I get blessed as a result. That's a false prophet, false teacher. Uh, a false prophet is one that does not teach the gospel of Christ. And they do not teach the gospel of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection, and repentance from sin. Instead, hey, live how you want, you know, just as long as you give your tithe and so I can get paid. You can live how you want. You can happy, happy, healthy, and wealthy. Sorry, the Bible doesn't say that. Instead, the Bible says that there's going to be persecution. Serving God can be hard. Serving God can cause... Cause persecution can cause loss, but that's what Paul said. He said, I count all things but loss. It doesn't matter. What I have in Christ is worth more than anything this world can offer me. A proliferation of false prophets in verse 12. Here it is. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So what do we see? A decline in a love for God, which results in a decline in revival among God's people. So this is not talking about the world. This is talking about among God's people. That there's going to be a decline in love for each other, or going to be a decline in love for God, a decline in love for the Bible. Is that what we see today? 100% is what we're seeing today. We're seeing the downgrade, downward spiral. You know, how many signs do we need? Jesus coming back is not a fearful thing for Christians. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. It's not a fearful thing. It's like, what is going to happen? It's a fearful thing for the lost. 
It's a fearful thing. Jesus is coming back. And yes, there is going to be judgment upon the world. But we who are saved, who love him, have trusted in him as for salvation, shall be caught up with him in the clouds. Amen. We don't, aren't going to be here for when the wrath is poured on upon the earth. Because John tells us that we shall not come into condemnation. And the revelation makes it very, very clear that the judgments upon the earth are the condemnation, the judgment upon a godless, God-rejecting godless earth. And this is God. God's plan for the earth, but it's not the plan for his people. We have been saved from condemnation and sin. First <coughs> Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, but that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So those who have died in Christ, he's, they're going to go first. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout. Amen. I'm sorry, the Bible doesn't say it's going to be a secret thing in the middle of the night. Uh, they get that. Well, it's like a thief in the night. And all that means, it's going to be unexpected. That's all. No one's going to be looking when he comes. That was to give the idea that you don't know when a thief's going to break into your house because then you'd be sitting there with your shotgun waiting for him, right? Uh, you don't know when the thief's coming. That's the purpose of a thief. They come at an unexpected time, and this is what's going to happen. There's going to be a downfall on the earth where there's going to be a few, a small number that are actually going to be looking. And that Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to descend. Was he going to come with a shout? I'm sorry, when God, when the host of heaven shout, we hear it. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Not only a shout, but they will see the trump of God as well. We're going to know. Amen. People aren't going to be scratching their heads like, what in the world's going on? But I'm sure they're going to figure out that the aliens did it. You know, the aliens did it something. It was a UFO. That cloud right there, you know, with the guy standing on top of it, right? There was a UFO. No, it was the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to meet him in the air. You know, I love that song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. The last verse, I shall say while flying through the air, right there, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Amen. We don't need to pray anymore because we'll be with the Lord and we'll be able to talk to him directly. Amen. And uh, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This isn't a fearful thing. This is a comfort. Yes, wars are going to come. This is what must needs happen. Even more, we should be more about the Lord's business. We have to get excited like God's coming. The things that he says in his word are true. It should be an encouragement to us. And what did Jesus say? Even, don't be troubled. This is what needs to happen. It's what's going to happen. Don't be troubled with it. By the way, nothing that's going on in Israel or Palestine or Ukraine or Russia, China, North Korea or Taiwan or any other country in Africa and the Sudan, it doesn't surprise God. He knows what's going on. So let's not be wringing our hands saying the sky is falling. No, Jesus is coming and we need to be about his business. The devil would love for you to be afraid. So that brings to number two, setting the stage. Setting the stage. The stage is set for the Antichrist. The fake Messiah. The Messiah that the number one, here it is, the world's looking for. And also the Messiah that Israel is looking for. So somehow, I don't know how those two are going to go together, but whenever we see conflicts in Israel, we need to pay attention. 
And there is a palpable anti-God bias today in 1 John 4, 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Isn't that what we see today? Is that most modern institutions of education in our country or in the world today don't believe that Jesus is real, number one, or if he was a real person, he didn't come in the flesh as God, and he lived and died as a good man and a good teacher, just like Confucius and Buddha and all these other people. That's the spirit of Antichrist that takes away the deity and the miracle of the coming of Christ. You know, they explain away all those miracles. They explain away, well, this is what they said. You know, the disciples really didn't... um, you know, the disciples really didn't uh, see him alive. It was all a big lie and all these other things. Don't we read that in the Bible? That's what they said. That lie is perpetrated unto what? This day? Isn't that the truth? And who perpetrated that lie? It began in the high priests. And the Pharisees, they perpetrated that lie and it's still going. And the Jews still believe it to this day, which is sad. They, they live by it. The Antichrist will be a real man who is empowered by the devil. Look over at 2 Thessalonians. You're in 1 Thessalonians. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 12. And also in, through the rest of Matthew 24, it gives a description as well. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. And so now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, here it is, or be troubled, troubled. So three spots we've seen it. Don't be troubled. Don't let this shake you. Don't let this bother you. Neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man, here it is, what is it? Deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a what? Falling away first and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What does that mean? He's, he claims to be Messiah. And the Israelites will let him sit on the temple throne, and they will endorse him as that. Until, remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. Verse 6, and now ye know that withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he, which the spirit of Antichrist, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved." And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, and they shall believe, should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So what? this is a very good thought. I heard a preacher say this one time. It's like, well, you know, when Jesus comes uh, and the rapture happens, you know, then a lot of people are going to get saved. No, they won't. No, they won't. You know why? This is a strong delusion. With all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Some, they're going to come up with some excuse of what happened, and people are going to believe it. And so, oh, it wasn't God, it wasn't Jesus coming back. It really isn't that you need to be saved. 
You know, the left behind books are great. I'm sure some people will get saved, but, and there, the Bible does say there will be some, but not everybody in the world is saying, oh, Jesus was real, we're going to get saved. No, they're going to have a strong delusion come upon them. Oh, don't we see that today? Ever talk to someone that you're just talking about the Lord and just it doesn't get through? Ever met someone like that? That they've been deceived and they're deceived and they're really deceived. And you can't get through that? The Holy Spirit needs to get through that, but here the Holy Spirit is, not, is the hands off here. Here is what's interesting. The Jews are still looking for the Messiah. They have rejected Jesus Christ as their Messiah, like I said at the beginning, because Jesus came as a spiritual redeemer of mankind, not the political savior they desired, because they thought we don't need to be spiritually fixed. We're fine. We follow the law and the sacrifices. We don't need to be saved. For Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And they did not see themselves as lost. They still don't see themselves as lost. And so they want that political savior. They've been waiting all these thousands of years. And they, at the same time, that with the Pharisees and the leaders and the majority of the religious, you call establishment, if you will, in Israel at that time, that they believed that the, politi- that the Messiah would come and that he would come just like King David and, King and, uh, and the King David place and would bring peace to Israel and the golden age of, the King, of King David and Solomon would return to Israel and they would have peace, finally. And there would be uh, the completion there. There is a spiritual element to it, but really, they really want a political savior because spiritually they think they're fine. So the Antichrist will make peace with Israel and for Israel. He will be their political Messiah that they are still looking for. Oh, the devil has laid his trap well, hasn't he? This is what they want and they desire. Israel will find out too late what his true intentions are. When we ask this, well, won't they see it coming? We see it written right here. Won't they see it coming? Remember, they don't believe the New Testament's from God. So this doesn't, they throw it out. That isn't the Bible. That's a Christian's book. That's not our book. That wasn't from Jehovah God. So even though it warns here, they're like, ah, this is what we want. This is what we need. They don't believe the New Testament. So let's bring the last point, number three, quickly as we close. What's going on? There's a warning here. What was the warning? There's two warnings here. The main one being, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. How can a group, how can Christians be deceived? Jesus said that there'll be many who will be deceived. Christians who will be deceived. That false Christs are the Messiah. And that the message of false prophets is genuine. This is what really what the Bible says. How will they be deceived? Well, look at 2 Timothy 2, quickly. 2 Timothy 2, verses 14 through 17. Well, if we don't know our Bible, then we can be deceived. 2 Timothy 2, this is why I preach often that we know our Bible. But do we live in a day where we want to study and work at it? No, we don't. We want everything easy. Everything's, uh, you know, there's an app for that, right? We can have, we can do our devotions, you know, here and all of that. By the way, I'm not saying apps are wrong or evil, but there are technological um, shortcuts that inhibit our relationship with God. Very interesting. Now, a lot of people, a lot of you know John MacArthur. Uh, John MacArthur, I don't agree. I agree with some of the things he says, but a lot of things I don't. He's Reformed, Calvinist, different things. I don't agree with him there. Uh, and also it doesn't have a proper view of the blood atonement of Christ either, which is a big deal. Uh, but you know, one of the things that he does, he doesn't use any technology in any of his writing or any of his studying. He writes down with a pen and paper. He refuses to use technology. He goes, you know why? Because I know myself. It doesn't allow me, so I don't think through things properly uh, and things. Yeah, we do things to save time. 
Um, I've done the same thing. There's some sermon series that I do on pen and paper. I don't use my computer. I don't use the tools. I open a book. You know what? And i got to tell you something. If you use computer stuff for a long time, you open a book, you open up a 100-year-old copy of Matthew Henry Commentary, and you just smell the old book there, and you look at it, and you know what? You're having to turn from it. You get impatient. There's an impatience that wells up inside you. And you're like, oh, man, I just, I just put this in the East Shore, and I can put this in here, I can search it, and I can find it, and I can just do it. I have a Matthew Henry commentary, I can hit search, and it's just all there for me. But having to, you know, by the way, if you have one of those, know how to read Roman numerals. <laughs> Ever have a book that old, that Roman numeral page numbers, right? And Roman numeral chapter numbers. Ever read a Bible that had Roman numerals? No, you found out, yes. Um, one of my mom's old Bibles had Roman numerals, and I just beginning to learn them. I was like, Mom, how do we get, where's the chapter numbers? It's not there. It's like, no, you've got to use the Roman numerals there. But there is uh, something to be said about doing things in a way that will encourage us to study. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 17, say this. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about works to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you know the word of truth and you rightly divide it, these false prophets won't be able to deceive you. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. What's going on? If you in if you allow that into your life, it's going to overtake the, uh, the thing. The blessing of God is going to steal away. For some, it's stealing away the promise of their salvation. It's stealing away their confidence in the Bible. Stealing away all kinds of precious doctrines that we have. Don't let it in. Don't even let ear to it. Why? You let it in. It eats away at you like a canker. And it eats away. So we need to understand. We look at people. This is why it's so important. I'll preach this till the day I die. Be careful who you listen to. I just mentioned John MacArthur. Well, he has a lot of good things to say, preacher, yes. But all of his things are laced with Calvinism and all these different things. If he's off doctrinally, what he says is not going to be of good profit to you. I don't care if he has hundreds of books published and has a huge ministry and all these people follow after him. That's what we tend to base it in American society. Hey, a lot of people follow him, so he must be saying something right. If a lot of people are following, first make sure you say, now there are people that are saying the right things that people are following, that's fine. But we need to be followers of the word of God and followers of Christ, not of men. And we need to understand that. And that, by the way, if the world thinks something's popular and good, watch out. Because the world is not in favor of the things of God. So there's something there that is attracting the world. Now there are some people that are looking for the truth and they are out there. But whenever the world is endorsing something, watch out. It can be very easy to be deceived when you give them an easy out. So here it is. How do we be deceived? Well, they don't know their Bibles. Also, another group that is easily deceived, they don't like God's boundaries. Well, I don't like that God said no about that. I don't like it that God told me to do that. I don't like God's boundaries. So I'll find someone that doesn't have those boundaries. You know, they believe and see what they hear in the media as truth. Now, some of it's true, some of it's not. Be careful. Don't be deceived. It can be very easy to be deceived as people when you give them an easy out. Oh, you know, we can be careful. By the way, also, what did he see here? That the very elect would be deceived and that there would be lying wonders. I'll say this. The devil can do miracles, too. Oh, it's miraculous. You know, that's why Jesus said, only a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Well, they have signs and wonders. Oh, they must be of God. Oh, the devil can do that too. 
Oh, didn't we see that with the, with the Pharaoh's wise men? Moses threw down his staff and they became snakes and those, uh, those magicians threw down their snakes or their staffs and became snakes. <clears throat> and um, now some believe that was miraculous, but also there was the Egyptians practiced a type of magic trick where they had a rod that looked like a, looked like a snake and was textured like a snake but they held it actually contained the snake and they could throw it down the snake would come out. Then they could grab it a certain way and it would turn back straight. So it was a bit of a magic trick. But what God did is Moses' staff turned into a real snake and when they did their little magic trick, that snake ate their snakes. God's greater. But the devil can do miracles. And the Revelation tells us that the false prophet that promotes the Antichrist will perform miracles and lying wonders. What does that mean, lying wonders? Oh, have you seen what they can do with technology today? Oh, have you seen what they can do with technology? You know, ever seen those drone shows, what they can do with all these nice things? You know, uh, and the technology they have, virtual reality, right? All of these things, that's the type of... uh, uh, a lying wonder, it is a deception. You think it's real, but it's not. We live in a day like that. <clears throat> Even beyond the imagination of people 150, 200 years ago, what we can, hap- we can do today with technology, it wasn't even in people's imaginations then. What's going to happen even more? The amount of technology, have you seen the scale that has taken place, the acceleration of technology since about 1970 to today uh, accounts for about three to 400 years of technological progress. It's exponential. It's not linear. It's exponential and is accelerating more and more. Now we have computers, artificial intelligence that can think through these things even faster. And you know, that's a scary thing because man's imagination is wicked enough. They don't need to figure it out faster. Amen. So uh, what are we going to see happen? Don't know, but God knows. It doesn't take God by surprise. Don't be troubled. Don't be deceived. Wait for the real Jesus Christ. Amen. He will come back in the clouds. The rapture will take place. There will be no doubts. Because there's going to be some, well, this is Christ over here. You know, this was talking about another time, but he came before, you know, and they'll try and twist the Bible around. I'm sorry. That's why God gave a specific way. The way Jesus went up is the way he's going to come back down. So we know that's a sign to God's people. Wait for the real Jesus. He is coming. But let's keep watching and looking to the skies. But here's a great question for us this morning. Are we living like we, that Jesus is coming back? Or are we living our lives like he'll come back maybe someday? You know, they say you're unwise if you don't plan for your own death, right? If you don't plan for the year end of days, if you don't have a plan to take care of your family. You know, gentlemen, we should have life insurance policies or have preparations to take care of our families if we pass away on, in an untimely way. Amen? We should do that. I think that's a wonderful thing to do and to prepare. Uh, are we prepared? You know, we're drawing to the end of our days, planning things out. People do their last will and testament. What's going to happen to my stuff that I don't need anymore because I'm in heaven? Right? And... Uh, you know, how am I going to do it in a way so everyone fights over it? No, just, no don't do that. But <laughs> give it all the charity. Ask what you do. Or, <laughs> don't let them, or some people just, I don't leave anything, just let them duke it out. No, but you know, don't, that can destroy a family. It's a terrible thing to see. I've seen it too many times. But we prepare. But he said, if you don't prepare for those things, we're, you know, to be honest, we consider it to be unwise if we're not ready for those things. You know, where we prepare ourselves in all. 
all these other ways. You know, we prepare for ourselves to go on trips. I hope you're prepared when you have your suitcase packed. My wife's prepared when we go, right? And make sure we're all prepared. You know, how many times have you gone, gotten to your place and you forgot your toothbrush? You forgot all your to- forgot your contact, contact solution. I did that one time. Uh, didn't forget my glasses because I had them on. But, you know, uh, one time I forgot all my stuff and I had to get a new contact. I had my contacts in. I had to get a contact case and solution because I didn't bring any with me. And like, oh, man, we're not being unprepared. But are we spiritually prepared? Are we prepared for Jesus to come back? Well, we like to have a specific date and a time so we can procrastinate. That's why God didn't give us a date and a time. Because he knew the generations that were going to come wouldn't serve God, but the last one would. Because we have to. Oh, he wants us to serve him because we want to, not because we have to. And do we believe it? Do we have faith in what's going on? This morning, can I tell you, for as a Christian, having Jesus come back and all these things happening is not a fearful thing for the Christian. But if you're here this morning and you're not saved, it's a fearful thing for you. Oh, there is much to be feared, fearful of. You know, we don't we say, well, you shouldn't scare people, you know, with the, with the thoughts of hell and all of that. I'm sorry, hell's a scary place. It's a terrifying place. What's going to happen in this world? Read the book of Revelation. will scare you to death. What's going to happen beyond our imagination of what our world's ever seen before? But because I have trusted in Christ, I'm not going to be here. If you want to be here, that's fine. Some people say, well, I'm going to live through the, through the, through the tribulation. If you want to, that's fine. But I'm, I don't, we're not going to. The Bible's clear about that. But you can be saved today. If you're wanting to go to be with Christ and in the rapture, then you need to be, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior to save you from your sin today. Don't wait another day because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Jesus is going to come as a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming back. And there's going to be something, oh, I have time. I've got time. I don't need to do it right now. You know, I want to, I want to live for myself a little while longer. But I'll get, I'll get that right sometime. You know, we don't know when our lifespan is up. You know, when you're young, you think you're invincible. Right? And that nothing bad's ever going to happen. I'm sorry that there's all kinds of young people that pass away in our, in our city all the time. They didn't think that they were going anywhere. Either from health or accidents or whatever. I don't wish that on anybody, but the truth is we don't know how long our life's going to be. We don't know if we're going to be here today and gone tomorrow. And if you're gone tomorrow, it's too late. There is no purgatory. There is no praying for the dead to get you out. The judgment has already passed. It's over. There's no recourse for you. Well, how do you know that? The Bible says it. The only reprieve that those in hell right now get is that they stand before God to be finally judged. That's the only reprieve they get. To be judged and cast in the lake of fire. That's the only reprieve they get. And then for all of eternity, burning in the lake of fire. That's where those who do not have Christ and have rejected Christ's gospel or have never trusted Christ in a biblical way. Well, I've been christened. I've been baptized. I've done good works. I'm sorry. The works of righteousness will justify no one, the book of Romans says. It's not of works. as any man should boast. I earned my way. No, Jesus bought your way on the cross. And you can be saved this morning. If what's going on in the world today frightens you, if you're not saved, it should. But if, you're, if you are saved this morning, take comfort in that. Say, comfort one another with these words. God's in control. But this morning, if you're not saved, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how to be saved and how you can trust Christ for all of eternity so that what's going on in the world is not a fearful thing to you, but that you can serve Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I pray, dear Lord, as we come together. 
in this invitation time. Oh, Lord, that we would live like you're coming back. Lord, forgive us if we have neglected telling others of your saving power or if we've just planned life out so much of our own free of our own desires and our own plans. Oh, Lord, in the book of James, it tells us that we should, instead of planning to do this or that, we should say, if the Lord wills, because we don't know when you're coming back. We can have all these plans, all the future ahead. of the next 20 years planned out, Lord, but you could be coming back tomorrow. Oh, Lord, that we would always make plans with you first and with your direction, your desire in store. Lord, I pray for those that aren't saved here this morning. In a crowd the size, I'd be foolish to believe everybody's saved here this morning. You know, if there's one or maybe someone listening online this morning, Lord, I pray that they would turn to you and trust you in humble faith and repent of their sin and call upon you to save them. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, your word says, I pray that they'd pray right now and they'd call upon you. Lord, I pray for those that maybe have questions that we'd be able to answer them from your word, not what our opinions are, but what your truth and word says. I pray that you'd work in hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.